Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Focal Point podcast with Angela Marafino in order to continue evolving as a forward-thinking industry that accepts others as they are. We need to hear more stories from diverse individuals regarding their struggles and successes throughout their careers in technology. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. My name is Angela Marafino, and this is Focal Point. Today we have Andrew Selickson. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be here. So glad to have you. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, sure, sure. So you got my last name right, which is a struggle for, for most folks. I'm very sure we, we've worked together before. So yeah, my, my name's Andrew Seligson. I am currently a machine learning engineer down here in Tampa, I'm working as a contractor in the sort of defense community. And yeah, really, uh, we have known Angela for, for quite a while, uh, but it's, we, we've reconnected recently and I'm really excited to kind of be, be back uh, getting your circle. Andrew, on I always love talking to you, honestly, like every time you're working on something new and, and it just usually blows my mind and I'm like, what's this guy going to do next, right? So, <laughs> so let's back up a little bit and say, so we were both in a cybersecurity bootcamp together, but that was definitely not the start and or even maybe middle of your overall career in life so like how did you get there and then maybe i don't know if you want to start with that or if you want to start with what you originally went to school with uh, before you even answer before you even answer i'm gonna read what your linkedin says so if you go to linkedin you look at andrew's profile it says he has an undergraduate degree in religious studies and music that's the first one then it says international conflict resolution international relations and affairs then there is peace linguistic comparative and related language studies and services then we have computer and information system security information assurance then there's another notable one the arabic language and literature they're all notable by the way and then a master's masters <laughs> of arts ma in international relations and affairs at tufts university so i mean i don't even know if we have a, a podcast episode long enough to talk about everything you've done, but how did you, <laughs> how did you get where you are today? This is you're, you have such a diverse background. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, happy, happy to go uh, as, as deep as I can into this stuff because I have fallen in love with kind of some of the things I get to do, kind of, and that's sort of like uh, I, I I will say kind of like my main sort of like goal in all of this is to always follow my heart and to sort of go where my passion leads me, and I found that. As long as I'm doing that, um, like everything else kind of falls into place. And so I've been very lucky to sort of have opportunities fall kind of into my lap that have kind of also supported me in doing that. So, so like really, really excited to talk about all those things. So I'll, I'll kind of walk all the way back okay. to 2011, which is uh, about, yeah, about 10 years ago uh, when I was thinking about going to colleges um, okay. and kind of start from there. So so I went to a place called Oberlin College, and I, at the time, um, was really interested in like music and guitar and philosophy. I was kind of like the music plus philosophy kid at Oberlin, and it was kind of, and Oberlin, for folks who are listening are not aware, 
It's kind of this liberal arts program kind of in the middle of Ohio that also has a really good conservatory there. So I ended up going there uh, to pursue a degree in religious studies and also kind of do quite a bit of music stuff and music composition as part of the conservatory. And so while I was there, I uh, sort of realized that I really wanted to work in kind of conflict spaces. The reason for that actually was, um, I was going through my studies and kind of was enjoying things, but it didn't quite feel super like sort of like alive with sort of what I was studying. But actually it was funny enough, it was, I think it was Michelle Obama who came and did our, uh, or the year, the year before me, she came and did kind of our commencement address. And one thing she said that uh, recalling it kind of it really stuck with me over the, the next few years after and kind of that year especially was um, like, we're all really good people. We all have really good intentions and we like study these important things. But it's really important that you kind of find like you take all those wonderful ideals and sort of translate them into a space that like doesn't share those ideals and kind of be like an important like an influence in spaces that are harsher or more difficult than the ones that you're used to. Um, point being, like, don't sort of sit in your kind of like bubble. Make sure to go out into the world and take those wonderful things you've learned and implement them like in tough and okay, tough environments. Yeah. That always, always stuck with me. And I, I, I kind of forgot about it until you had just asked, but that had always been like a big thing on my mind. Um, so from there, I realized that like I wanted to go not just like study philosophy or study religion, I wanted to take those things out into the world. So I got really interested in international relations and because I have a Jewish background, actually, I realized, like, okay, what are, what are the kind of the things around me that I can, like, move towards? And one of the things that I was always interested in, both from a religious perspective and also from a kind of political perspective, was actually Israel. You know, Israel being, uh, you know, the mm -hmm. Jewish state uh, for, you know, it's controversial, but uh, but kind of in it is kind of a Jewish state sure. for the most part, demographically, and also, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And so I realized that I wanted to kind of work in that space and kind of figure out how to implement these wonderful ideals into that okay. kind of domain. So into the Israeli sort of space I went, but I also right. guitar, I should say. <laughs> of course. So I graduate Oberlin. While I was at Oberlin, I'd written a like a big Lord of the Rings symphony because I was a big fan of Lord of the Rings. That was one of my big music projects kind of in my other life that I was working on. And so the first thing I wanted to do when I graduated was just like put everything else aside. I needed to produce this like Lord of the Rings symphonic opera type of thing. And so I went to uh, New York with like my best friend at the time uh, to produce this big Lord of the Rings thing. Um, and so I did that and kind of got an orchestra together and did like this performance at a place called the Dimena Center. And yeah, it was really fun. I had a great performance at a great time, recorded it, like all these things. It was, it was so much fun. And then a few, I think it was like a, uh, a few weeks before that, like I had like applied to the UN, just like to the Israeli mission to the UN. Didn't think about it at all. I was like, okay, I'll just send in applications. Like, let's you know, get on LinkedIn, send things out there, like whatever, whatever. And then uh, the few days after the performance, I realized that like uh, I had left my phone at home. Uh, and I was just like, I was going to the library. So I, I took, I like take the train back all the way back home. I get my phone. I turn it back. I turn it on there's this voicemail from this number I did not recognize. And it was, so I like listen to the voicemail. It's like, oh, hello, you know, kind of this is, I'm not gonna do Israeli accent, but it was someone in some, you know, kind of thick Israeli accent saying, oh, you know, we received your resume. We are from the mission of Israel to the United Nations. We are very interested in interviewing you for a speech writing um, internship at the UN. Um, so, oh my, okay, <laughs> here we go, here we go. So yeah, I, I kind of ended up interviewing for the job and it was actually a very funny experience. So, so, so I go into the interview uh, and I never really been in like a secure sort of thing before. I mean, I, I was totally intimidated. 
it was my first job. I mean, it was my first opp opportunity to really do something in a professional context, like other than internships in college and that type of thing. So I show up and like, and I kind of go up into the building and it turns out that I'm interviewing with the chief of staff of the mission, like some of the head delegates, like some like the, you know, really impressive people. I didn't, I didn't really know, but they're like, yes, I am such and such impressive person. I'm like, okay, I'm Andrew. <laughs> I play guitar. <laughs> I'm Andrew. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And so, so I ended up talking to him a little bit and I was so nervous. I was like, almost like, I was like, almost like hyperventilating. I was getting so, so nervous. And I managed to eke out somewhere in this, hey, like actually I just, I come to New York cause I wanted to like write this symphony and like I produced it and like, oh, you wrote a symphony. Tell us more about that. And then I finally exhale and talk about, you know, myself in a more natural way. And sure. actually like try, you know, I had a nice sort of experience with them. And then I think I kind of walk out and I say, okay, there's no way I'm going to get this. Like, I totally just botched that. But like, at least they got, they know I'm a musician or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Then I, I get an email a few hours later saying, oh, we want you to do this sort of writing assignment and, you know, go and go do, go deeper into the process with us. So long story short, ended up working out. I'll, I'll kind of come up for air a little bit. I ended up uh, while I was there working at the, uh, not doing speech writing, but actually working at the United Nations Security Council on behalf of the mission. Um, which is like a very, uh, if you're not familiar with the Security Council, it's where all the big decisions get made. Um, so I was kind of in the room where it happened. And yeah, it was, it was a very, very abrupt transition to go from writing <laughs> music and doing all these things, that lifestyle, into the lifestyle of like uh, right. doing the, all these serious things. So um, while I was there, I should, uh, I'll say, and this is kind of how I ultimately got into more technical spaces, I sat in on a negotiation in the fifth committee, and, um, and which is the committee that kind of oversees the budget, procurement, acquisition, um, finance, you know, those types of okay. things. And someone, and I, I think I might have told you this story actually when I first came to Evolve, because it was very inspirational, uh, and it actually got me really into cybersecurity. Um, someone who had come in as part of the kind of you know, Israeli sort of space and wanted to kind of work on cyber, kind of do like a cyber project for peacekeeping purposes. It was like a really cool technology, again, to support peacekeeping missions, kind of showed what kind of Israel could do for peace building things in the world. Okay. And they got into this really interesting negotiation, kind of because Israel doesn't always get along with folks at the UN sure. for, you know, for political geopolitical reasons. So, but they brought in this person who was kind of like a cyber expert, like a really deep technical subject matter expert in that space. And they ended up going into this deep negotiation with the, the technical expert on the other side of the negotiation. But basically what happened was, they had this really like probably 10 to 15 minute long discussion about like technical details of whatever project they're trying to get through in front of all these diplomats. And everyone was, everyone's jaw was sort of dropped like, oh my God, these guys are so impressive. They're so cool. Like they really know their stuff. And it was actually kind of beautiful because like it was in the technical details that they actually really got along. You could see that these people from these different communities and spaces and these kind of, you know, geopolitically different spaces actually really were able to connect on the technical details and it kind of brought peace into the room, which was the most like as a peace key, a peace oriented person and wanting to work in that space. I was like, wow, actually like not only is it super interesting from a technical perspective, but also brings people together in a weird way. And so, so I ended up, uh, so I, so I, that was kind of my big takeaway from the UN. Right. Sure. So yeah, I ended up leaving the UN and, and wanted to set up my next thing. And I wanted to go to Israel because I, I think I'd only been once and it was like a while back. And I wanted to actually like do not just what I study, but also kind of part of like become part more part of the community and learn about kind of what people experience there on kind of both sides of conflict. 
that type of thing. And so, yeah, so I went over to Israel and actually was uh, working in the foreign ministry as part of kind of this fellowship program. The 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 post in the foreign ministry was as kind of like a cybersecurity fellow slash researcher. Okay. Um, so I was research. I was working with um, some of their diplomats there as kind of a doing kind of policy and legal research. But as part of that, I really wanted to get more technical, kind of building off that experience I'd kind of seen from kind of at the UN that really kind of those really impressive people doing that negotiation. I wanted to be kind of just like them, but it kind of been more in a policy and legal space. And so it was like doing a lot of technical research on like, you know, like reading a lot bunch of books on networking and like getting more comfortable with the CLI and Python, kind of like self-teaching kind of a lot of like those types of skills while also doing policy research in cyber. Okay. Um, so I was doing that for a while. And I just, I, I kind of found like during that process that like the respect was building for people who were truly technical. Sure. And I always kept it in the back of my mind, like, okay, so I, it's one thing to write about it and kind of talk the talk, but you also got to learn to walk the walk. So I, I always, I was kind of hungry for that experience. And I ended up sort of going down that route as I kind of kept on going kind of in the foreign ministry space. And then I, I so I, I kind of completed my post there. I was also doing like a bunch of operas on the site, which we could talk about a little later. Um, I was like writing operas, doing those types of things. Okay. And so, so I'll go into that a little bit later. But then I ended up actually contacting someone over in Jordan. Is that you know, I, as part of this kind of like peacekeeping or peace nick sort of urge, like in addition to the cyber stuff, I also really wanted to get experience kind of on the other side of the conflict. So as I say, kind of always trying to follow my heart while also doing all these other types of things to kind of support sure. kind of what I do. So so there was a really interesting kind of very passionate kind of doctor who was working in Jordan who wanted to work kind of with kind of American folks, Jewish folks, even Israelis kind of on helping to solve the kind of this refugee crisis and also kind of elements of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict kind of from his vantage point as a doctor. Um, and he knew I had some technical experience, had had a little bit of some data chops, some networking chops, and kind of wanted to bring me over there to kind of work on those issues, get things from his perspective, and kind of just like kind of build a cool team over there. Um, and he ran an organization called the Jordan Health Aid Society. So I went over there, kind of got assigned to one of his teams kind of doing cyber-y type of things, more like networking, like but ultimately in support of like different programs he wanted to do to like help protect refugees and support okay. people, kind of like work on peace initiatives but kind of more from a data slash cyber perspective okay but uh but yeah it was it was probably one of the most interesting experiences i had because i, I didn't at the time i did not speak arabic right I, I should say i didn't speak it that well i'd done a little bit when i was in jerusalem but i want you know so i was picking up arabic and also you know kind of learning the language and the culture while also kind of doing some technical work while also doing some kind of peace related work too so so spent my time there learned a whole lot uh actually experienced quite some really profound things as far as what people go through there, what they do for peace and like how much, you know, faith we should put in people of the region and not mm -hmm. just kind of like the high level political stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that was a very kind of also like a heartwarming experience to see how like how deep people feel about the kind of peace sure. in that region. So then I went all the way back to Kansas City um, and it was at that time that I met Angela, uh, if I can kind of call out to Angela really quick, um, because I, I, I had not quite scratch that itch related to the urge of wanting to get technical uh, kind of with cyber. And, right. and that was that time I actually I contacted kind of a recruiter at Evolve Security. And one of the terms, and I was kind of looking at different boot camps, kind of how do I get good in this space? Um, and one of the things he said um, that I can always, I'd always thought to myself was like, look, you don't want to just talk the talk. You want to learn how to walk the walk. And here's how we're going to get you there and kind of laid out a plan to learn about and practice the technologies that like are so important in cyber ranging from you know, same technologies to networking to command line to whatever, whatever. And so I got really 
really into kind of um, into the, the boot camp. And that was in the context in which I met Angela. So this is an important detail for later, by the way. Um, so don't don't miss this. Who would actually um, refer me to a show called Mr. Robot, if you remember that. <laughs> Uh, which became a very important show for later, which I'll get into in a second. So while I was there, I got an internship doing like a, as a SOC analyst, um, security operations center analyst for those who are kind of in the security space, um, uh, doing different kind of research uh, and kind of you know technical analysis for in that role. And so that's that was kind of like my first gig in this space. And I would go to Angela with all my problems, like, can you please solve my problems for me? And then I would go back. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm not, not to embarrass you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not embarrassed. Yeah, you well, did. I should do, I should no, no, no. So, uh, <laughs> and, and while I was doing that, actually, I realized that like every everything that I was learning a lot, but I also realized that there was a lot I didn't know. You know, when you're when you're in the sock and you're kind of doing different things, you're getting a lot of logs. I mean, that was like the biggest thing. You have so much data to get through, ranging from logs to like you know endpoint logs to network logs to whatever, and that's kind of your visibility into your network. And I realized that like this is not possible to defend this network right now, like the way we are, just like a bunch of human beings doing this on our own, we can't do it. Like, at right. least not at the scale of like, of maybe this company can do it in a limited, you know, in some way, but we can't necessarily do that at kind of at the scale of the industry. So we need, we need right. help. Um, and that was when I ultimately realized I wanted to kind of work in machine learning and get more into the AI space, which is what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was doing that. And I also knew that, you know, I had an interest in going into the kind of, you know, the defense national security world. And I also knew that Arabic was a big focus for folks doing cyber-related things, just because you know there's the we we cooperate with folks in that space. There's also threats coming from that space. It's just it's a complex space overall. But you know, learning Arabic and kind of working in, at the intersection of those two things is quite helpful. Um, and sure. so I decided, okay, I'm gonna do get my technical experience, kind of get that together, and then I'm also gonna be a dual. I want to be a dual threat, so I'm gonna get my Arabic experience too. Yeah. So I ended up. And you were always like. Well, I mean, I have to, I'm studying Arabic tonight. And so um, I'm going to work on this cybersecurity stuff, but also like I have Arabic. And I'm like, cool, I, I don't have Arabic. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do remember that. And I would like send you guys funny things like in the chat in Arabic or like in right. dialect, whatever. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, yeah. So I ended up going to Wisconsin actually to study Arabic in like an intensive program to like kind of help build, build those chops. And then finally, I went to a very special community called the Tufts Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy, which if anyone, if any of you folks are uh, thinking about grad school, I would very much encourage you to go there. It's a really cool program. And uh, so I ended up uh, going there for the, for two years and studying like law and diplomacy. Um, but there's also this engineering school that I kind of took some classes in to kind of keep my chops together as far as technical things. And um, so while I was there, I was studying security studies with uh, kind of a few of the professors there who were you know, very experienced, really knew a lot about this space. And I kind of came in as the young gunner with a technical experience kind of, and a lot of, a lot of my peers also, you know, were more policy or those types of things. So I was able to find sort of my competitive advantage, um, kind of, you know, be the technical guy in a policy space, which was also very fun uh, and kind of invigorating. And so we, we did a bunch of competitions uh, while we were there, like if you're familiar with Cyber 912, perhaps. Um, sure. So we ended up, uh, so we did Cyber 912. We actually won Cyber 912 right. over the years. I remember, and yeah. Remember how I said there was an important detail about Mr. Robot? Yeah. The reason for that was because um, our team name was none other than F Society, which right. for lovers of the show will know that Mr. Robot is sort of, you know, Mr. Robot F Society. They're, you know, that's that's like kind of the big, I don't want, I want to give too much yes. away. That's why I'm looking at it. 
it's relevant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember you winning, and I remember seeing like F Society team won this thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was very, it was, it was really, it was very invigorating. We ended up doing um, like three or four other competitions. We run, we won all of them actually, which is really fun. We oh did one with the National Security Innovation Network, the DIU. We did one yeah. with the UN, which is really fun, building on like a threat intelligence platform. One was like a drone swarm. So just like different types of technologies got to touch so many different types of things, and ultimately just like, like went crazy with like all these tech things I get to do, and then like write policy papers in addition. So it sure. was, it was a, it was a fun time. And then that ultimately finally led to me what I'm doing now. So right now I'm, I'm a machine learning engineer at um, United States Special Operations Command, which um, kind of um, touches a lot of different areas, but I uh, get to do a lot of like research into machine learning and how that applies to like war fighting, basically. That was a lot. I'm so sorry. Uh, that was a lot. But uh, again, I hope that uh, gives some insight into what I've been up to. Don't apologize. I invited you on this podcast to talk about yourself. Okay, sweet. sweet. So <laughs> you, you knew the assignment. What about the, so you also, do you want to talk about Twin Raven? Can we talk about that? Is that oh okay? yeah, we can talk about Twin Raven. Okay. Oh, yeah, awesome. I, yeah, I remember <laughs> Twin, Twin Raven was a fun experience. So Twin Raven was, actually came out of one of the hackathons we had done with the Department of Defense. So me and like probably five, six other students from the Tufts Fletcher School and also a few engineers found out about this competition that the Department of Defense is putting out there called the Dense Urban Environment Challenge, or like the DUE, I think is what we call it. Mm -hmm. um, basically, the point of the DUE was like, okay, give uh, propose to us a technology that can help basically first responders, special operations forces navigate a dense urban environment. Mm -hmm. And thinking about like different kind of operational scenarios kind of in that environment, like, like a hostage scenario or like a building collapse or these types of things where we need people to be able to like figure out and like what's going on in that space and they have like general situational awareness of kind of what's going on around them. Okay. And so we got together this team to kind of, you know, propose and develop kind of a proof of concept and solution for that, for that problem set. And we ended up coming up with a thing called the Loki system, um, which was kind of a funny, you know, kind of, we had to do the Norse, you know, reference <laughs> being that we do work in the DOD space. Right. And so we ended up providing you know, this thing called the Loki system, which was sort of like an aggregated sort of sensor fusion technology which you would kind of put on a unmanned aerial device like a UAV, which could kind of flow and kind of move alongside kind of uh, special operations forces or other types of folks in that space, uh, like first responders or whoever, um, like even law enforcement who are like trying to save people's lives mm -hmm. and like give them situational awareness about what's going on and kind of, kind of going on in that space. Okay. And we ended up winning actually. We, <laughs> we, we had a really like a really cool experience doing like a pitch, like a business development, all these things. Uh -huh. And so we got like a $15,000 grant to keep on developing things and kind of like moving forward and kind of building a business out of it. Okay. And so we ended up calling our business that we kind of spun out of it, Twin Raven, uh, some, some more, you know, low, you know, Norse mythology stuff um, or, you know, that type of thing. Sure. And um, so we building up the company for a while uh, as we were all sort of in school together and kind of we're hoping to kind of continue it forward. But because we were all sort of graduating and kind of all had different plans coming up with, you know, either going in the military or going into like a few folks went to Google, mm -hmm. we all ultimately ended up disbanding and kind of saying, hey, great experience. But we kind of, you know, we we have we kind of want to go this other route. But it was kind of like the, the high level summary is it was kind of like a startup that we built um, that uh, was kind of working with the Department of Defense um, on those types of things. Very cool. So yeah. I just want to say that listeners so this guy who just said everything he just said also wrote uh like he said earlier uh lord of the rings symphony so you can definitely be whoever you want to be 
I have listened to the Lord of the Rings symphony that Andrew composed, and it's amazing. I specifically want to call out uh, at the six minute, 30 second mark, there's a epic shred, and Andrew is the one playing guitar, and it rocks. <laughs> Thank you. It's just so good. And then I heard, I'm like, this is the same guy. Like physically, and how did how did you do all these things? Like if I didn't know what you look like, if I had never seen you, I'd be like, you got to be like 50 years old, right? Because <laughs> you've accomplished so much already. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like you've got a TEDx talk you did at Tufts about symphonies, um, okay. and I'm just trying to figure out like where you did all that. But I know you did talk about too, like in your TEDx, like right, like you. You didn't sleep sometimes, which isn't great, right? Like we yeah, all need yeah. that, and you like self care and stuff. But yeah, you still yeah. you made it work. You look well rested at this point. Um, yeah. Surviving, so, surviving, doing my best. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like your extreme passion for music. I mean, that's I have continuously since I've gotten into cybersecurity and the technical field uh, met a lot of people who have like some type of creative background, right, no matter right. what it is, right? Some like liberal arts degrees and interests, including myself, right? So I just, I think it's phenomenal. So during all of this, like the past three things that you mentioned career-wise, have you continued to like play music and write and compose? Of course, like, how's of course. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 it's, it's the, the, the train must, con- you know, <laughs> the, 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 the train must continue, must go on, the, right. or rather the show must go yeah. on, I should say. And so, so yeah, I've been um, doing quite a bit of composing actually. So I did that the Big Lord of the Rings Symphony, which is which is really fun, and mm-hmm. kind of finally recorded that like for real, for real down here in Tampa uh, recently, which is really like a very like I was like wow, like I'm I still got it, you know, I still got, it. I can still do this. Sure. Actually, I, I I another fun opera I got to do was a kind of like a an homage to like Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin called Duel with the Devil, okay. which was kind of like a one act like rock opera. Okay. That was uh, mainly for me to show off what I could do, um, like on the <laughs> guitar and, and like technically with like composition, but also like kind of like a fun, like kind of feminist rock opera about like the fabled daughter of Jimi Hendrix and Janis right, Joplin, okay. who had to fight with the devil for her soul after accidentally selling it in like this like <laughs> stupid deal. It was it was it was a it was a fun time. And then actually did a uh, another a more serious uh, opera actually that premiered at Juilliard, which was really fun a few years ago about like Black Lives Matter. And so okay. that was in collaboration with really awesome tenor named Josh Blue, who kind of commissioned me to do that piece along with kind of five playwrights from kind of the, the black community, kind of tell the story of like kind of the black liberation kind of story in the United States. And so okay. uh, I was very, you know, out of those two projects, I think that now one was called Break Your Chains, by the way. I, I, I thought Break Your Chains was like a huge honor kind of be involved in that. And also like for me to learn about like the, I mean, I, as I said, kind of worked in the Israeli space and kind of all sorts of Palestinians, that type of thing, but also gave me opportunity to learn like on the home front, like what people of color, black folks kind of experience, like both in the arts, um, as far as sure. classical and that type of thing, and just kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that was like a really, really kind of interesting experience, really like really meaningful, I think was the big thing, like really learned a lot. So did that, was also playing in a bunch of like uh, cover bands and uh, like rock bands and jazz trios, and these types of things. So, um, so continuing to kind of keep the guitar up. And also I think most recently I um, actually got a kind of a fun little commission with a harp player who is working with the Illinois Philharmonic. So hopefully wow. we'll be able to kind of keep that going. So doing like this uh, kind of arrangement and composition of, of some harp dances. 
Um, that's kind of ongoing and hopefully should be able to have that out the door in the next year. So keep, keep, yeah, if you're listening, keep, keep your, <laughs> keep your, your ears open for, for uh, kind of a harp um, concerto coming up. So really excited about that. Too. Yeah. That sounds amazing. And I know we'll have uh, like links to your YouTube and social media. Accounts, yeah, I got you. Uh, I got you. Yeah attached to the podcast so for anybody that wants to find out what's going on with andrew coming up they'll be there so like if you meet someone at a party or something i don't know when you would have time to go to a party but <laughs> if you meet someone at, do you how do you you know, like i don't think there's any quick way to say like how do you introduce your, you say i'm a musician i'm a composer i work in technology how do you pick one, or do you just rotate? I would just ch choose a different one. Oh, uh, I, I just, I just make, no, no, I just make stuff. No, just kidding. No, honestly, the, the way to be, to be do that, like, uh, and, and actually, a, kind of a good life lesson that I kind I've, I've learned over the years is like, just ask lots of good, like, kind of what you're doing now, like, just ask lots of good questions for people, and that will like enrich you, you know. And so I, I, even though like I, I get to do some interesting things, like, like I, I feel passionate about the things I get to do. I also feel that like other people also have very rich, like incredible stories. And one of the reasons I like, like I don't sleep is because like I've been surrounded by some really inspired, passionate, like people who are like just going after things and like really living out their mission and like really amazing ways. Like I think of like Dr. Jaluni um, out in kind of who I was working with in Jordan, kind of the, the doctor mm -hmm. I refer to who okay. like was so incredible and like worked work day and night to support refugees. Like there's, so many people like that like all around the world who are also living out these like really um like cool missions and so i feel my responsibility is to like is to like live out my mission and also and as part of that like get to know different people who are doing that because like asking why like why people are doing those things understanding their motivations these things is like always like enriches me and wants to make me go further in what i'm doing you know what i mean sure so. yeah i do i do feel like over the time i've known you you have been someone who is I don't want to say constantly asking questions, but you ask a lot of important questions and I don't think you're ever afraid that it's going to be a stupid question. It doesn't matter what it is, right? You just really want to understand people and processes. Yeah, yeah. And I really appreciated that about you, right? Because it's it definitely is uh, one way to learn and you can't find out, right, what what the goal is or someone's mission unless you ask. Um, yeah, so, yeah and, that's a great And it's, it's also, it's like part of the, like part of like going back to like Jewish culture, like this thing called chutzpah, which is mm -hmm. sort of like that, like loving disrespect of boundaries sometimes. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that kind of an endearing way about, you know, not, not an indictment at all, uh, but it's kind yeah. of like the idea like, oh, I want to like get to know you. Like, like, let's yeah. uh, uh, like, you know, like, and you can say that to like the ambassador to the UN, <laughs> or you can say that to your, 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 your buddy in class, you know? So sure. it's like, it kind of, it's that kind of like total, like kind of disregard to them of social norms, but that kind of yeah. it ultimately with like good intention. So Absolutely. I think that's kind of served me well. And I also link back to kind of like my Jewishness and kind of like what I bring to the table as like a, in that respect, you know? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, I keep joking about like, I don't know how you got anything done. I'm going to assume that you're uh, pretty good at like organizing your schedule and you um, stick to it and things like that. I mean, how do you, are you? Uh, no, <laughs> 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 I just, I, it's one of those things where I kind of go back also, I want to, sounding too retro but like I kind of go back to what I said at the beginning was like if I'm always trying to follow my heart and kind of follow mm -hmm. my passion and my mm -hmm. schedule sort of falls into place after that and actually okay. it's a really good quote that I heard uh, from a friend at Tufts actually um, always stuck with me which was don't prioritize your schedule schedule your priorities okay and I, yeah. I, I, I thought I think that was like the best advice I ever heard I like that I kind of realized that like 
there's all these people uh, you'll see them on the street like who always have like their phones on them like have their earpiece in they sound they look so important they're doing all these important things they don't have time for you ever i never want to be that person i want to have time for everyone and everything and i never want to say no so i i, I believe you yeah it's true it's <laughs> yeah. true uh, yeah yeah i believe I just, that from like, you yeah. one thing i never i just i always kind of bothered me about certain things it's like when people like put themselves in a position of like power or authority over someone like an arbitrary way it goes back to my, my peacenik roots as well and when people are sort of like like don't have time for you or don't ask about you or like don't ask good questions these things like it I just, I, I think, I don't think that's like the end game of all of, of finding success in your career. I feel like success in your career should bring you into like a mission space and kind of, so you can contribute to that mission, not that you can personally benefit or feel important in some arbitrary way, you know? And I think, yeah, if anyone's okay. listening, like there is, and you are like that, there is definitely space for you to find success, you know? I hope that, hope that means something. I agree. I definitely like that about the calendar. I I think that describes me as well. Yeah. Like I put things on there. If it's extremely important, I can't move it. I'm not going to miss it for anything. Yeah, like yeah. it is red and like nothing else is getting scheduled. And then I kind of work my way around that. But the same, right? Is like, I do want to make time for everybody. I know sometimes it isn't possible, yeah, yeah. but I genuinely do want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And people that have worked with me know that they're like, how do you do all the things? I'm like, yeah, and I, I also think it's about like staying kind of hungry and humble. I think is a good way to put it. It's like if you were like, and 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 I think another part of it is like not taking the people in your life for granted. Mm -hmm. So like if I I feel like again if like if if you want to make time for something or someone or something like you can do it. Uh, you might not might be kind of painful sometimes. Like okay, I'll do it, but then you show up and it's fun, you know, or like and it means right. something to someone. Absolutely. So, like that hungry attitude will also kind of like a good good way to sort of orient yourself, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Anyways, absolutely. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Okay. What is a technology or project that you may be working on, or both, that you're excited about right now? Um, one of the things like, I, I've been really interested in lately is a, a concept called a dynamical system. Are, are you familiar with that by any chance? I haven't heard. Um, that. So, so good. So I can kind of, I can, so we can start from scratch. <laughs> yes. Tell yeah, me yeah, all yeah. about it. So, uh, <laughs> I'll give you a little bit of backstory in the concept, and then kind of go into it. Okay. So, a dynamical system, kind of straight off the bat, is a system that changes over time. Okay. And what I mean by that, uh, so, 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 so imagine like. Actually, I think it's important to define kind of what a system is actually before I kind of go into that. Sure. So um, a system is something that has a state space and a state space is this, um, is like the like a potential configurations. The way I often try to explain dynamical systems is starting off with a very simple game. And that game is rock, paper, scissors. Okay. So rock, paper, scissors is an example of dynamical system because it has a, a state space and, you know, mm -hmm. dynamical systems by definition are things which have a state space but okay. what is a state space a state space is uh, a configuration of a system so think of for example you think of rock paper scissors um, that has a state space of nine because there are if the two people are playing rock paper scissors there's nine ways they can potentially play the game there's like nine configurations of that game nine configurations sure. of the system therefore it's a you know as a state space of nine when it comes to uh, more complex systems, I, you know, we can expand out that concept and think of a game like chess, which has, um, I think, like 10 to the 40 uh, okay. you know, configurations, meaning that the sure. state space is basic, is like gigantic. It's, in, it's absurd how many ways you can play the game of chess. Um, it's but like, it's still one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so it's, it's, it's a massive state space. Okay. 
even those massive state spaces do not compare to the uh, compared to what dynamical systems are mainly because there is a time element to dynamical systems. So if you can imagine like chess evolving, you know, chess evolves over time and it's dynamical mm -hmm. in some ways, but it's also limited. It doesn't mm -hmm. like, there's no, like, it's not like the weather where you have like, there's, you know, it, it, the weather is continuous, it's infinite. Like it can take on right. so many different configurations because there's so many variables at play, whereas chess is a constrained game. Sure. So dynamical systems basically are these systems which are, which have like these chaotic features or have a lot of variables of uh, a state space which is constantly moving evolving and changing and yeah they're just crazy they're just crazy these crazy systems which are really hard to understand the cool thing about dynamical systems though is that we can actually model them like we can actually come okay. up with technologies which help us understand how they will behave in real time sure. and it just so turns out that artificial intelligence and machine learning are really good techniques and practices for modeling and understanding dynamical okay. systems so actually I learned this when I was working on the dense urban environment hackathon with like drones and those types of things that in order to get a drone, for example, to fly indoors or get like certain technologies to work, you need to model them and have, cap have capabilities in them that can work with dynamical systems and work dynamically with their okay. environment. And so th uh, think of if, if people are familiar with the world of machine learning um, kind of and how that might apply. Uh, there's this underlying idea behind machine learning, which is like, we are trying to get a machine or like a model or a system to interact with the world in a meaningful way. Like whether it's mm -hmm. like a robot walking around or like a person or like a drone or just any, any sort of thing which is interacting with the real world. It has to, it has to like interact in, in a, an intelligent, meaningful way. And it has to get to what, what you would call sort of a ground truth status. So okay. the, the data in which like the data, which represents the real world has to be accurate and therefore like okay. has to be accurate, has to be of high quality. And there and like has to and the system has to interact with that in a meaningful way. I've really got to slow down because I'm like I'm like really like you know what I mean. Oh, you're good. Are you following? I'm listening. Yes. Okay. Cool. I am. I'm just trying to like picture. So I'm just like picturing people like collecting that data and how like how much work would have to go into it. Right. Right. So with dynamical systems, like normally you have to like it's you use like like you know, Newtonian mechanics, like you know Newton's equations or Maxwell's equations or whatever equations to like deduce from first principle a priori and just like figure out what is like what the functional form is uh, that's like causing the relation between inputs and outputs. So for example, okay. um, you know, we, we can, we can solve for, you know, like what's, what's going, what the weather is going to be like in two days, because we have like these physical principles that we can like just work with by definition, like sure. they, you have your kind of input and because you have like the underlying functional form, which is translating those inputs into outputs. Um, you have the ability to like understand what's actually going to happen. Okay. That yeah. is actually, so that, that's true for certain systems, but for other systems, we actually don't know the underlying functional form. We don't know like what is causing these inputs to mm. create these actual outputs. And so it turns out that machine learning uh, as a practice, as sort of a discipline is actually really, really good at doing that with data. And so the application of machine learning to dynamical systems like weather or human behavior or information or cybersecurity systems, which have very dynamical features, is super, super, super exciting because it really is kind of like the like the, the most advanced applications of machine learning I'm noticing from like doing research and doing these things mm -hmm. is applications of machine learning to dynamical systems. Okay. That, does that sort of make sense overall? Yeah, um, I think yes. <laughs> It does make sense, but I, I'm like, okay, so it's, well, it has the potential to make smart things smarter. Yes. Yeah. 
is there any like real life examples of something that you so you said before like weather prediction model you know modeling of that but like what would be the i guess um X, yeah, excel yeah. version of like we've used the a dynamic system in order to make this better like how would it be better right so i'm so glad you asked so one of the one of the first applications I ever worked on was actually an application machine learning to a dynamical system. I didn't realize at the time that it was doing that. It was actually when I was working at Evolve um, okay. and or, or working with Evolve at the kind of the the cybersecurity uh, kind of job that I had when I was working at Evolve. Sure. Um, and the reason I say that is because um, it turns out that many of the information security systems that we work with, like security incident and event manager, you know, a SIEM system mm -hmm. has very dynamical features to it. Uh, you know, you have a lot of people accessing it, you know, accessing common resources and tools. Right. Um, and that's producing a lot of logs, which kind of creates this environment, which is very chaotic. Mm -hmm. And you're not exactly sure how it's going to behave, how people are going to behave, how the system is going to behave overall. As a result, like the system be kind of becomes chaotic and unpredictable. So how are you supposed to, on defense, say if you're doing defensive operations, defend that system as a whole. Um, it's a really interesting problem actually for machine learning okay. and AI, like at a kind of meta level. There are lots of ways to solve that. And uh, like with machine mm -hmm. learning, um, and a lot of people focus on like supervised learning use cases, like neural networks, for example, on firewalls. Right. I think Palo Alto firewalls, for example, does that thing, does that kind of stuff for like detecting viruses, that type of thing. But I don't think anyone has taken like a broad sort of step back and said like, this entire information security system or information system which we're trying to protect at, at the enterprise, how would we model the state space of that system? What would be like a meaningful state space of that okay. system? The same way you would think about like uh, what we talked about with rock, paper, scissors. Mm -hmm. Obviously, wouldn't be nine, might not be 90 billion, but there's some meaningful way to quantify sure. what is the state space of this information security system. Right. And then once you actually have that state space, what is the optimal configuration of that system in real time? Yeah. Um, okay. You know what I mean? So yeah. So so hypothetically, a lot better for security teams on defense and possibly offense too, but definitely defense. Yes, definitely defense, and it's a really tough problem to crack. Uh, but I sure. noticed like some of the the people doing quantum research or um, research into like really deep applications of machine learning and AI. Right. Want to move beyond kind of these like kind of these like narrow use cases like anomaly detection or a or kind of a neural network on a firewall or that type of thing, and then want to get to that enterprise level capability mm -hmm. um, where they can think about like, hey, what is this overall information system telling me, and how do I protect it in a meaningful way? Yeah. So that's kind of like what that can kind of do. Do like I think some of that modeling can actually achieve. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for explaining that. I think yeah. um, it seems like, right, we're getting to a point where we have enough data just from, right, logs and everything else. Exactly. That, so it, it wasn't able to be done before. And now we're not having to necessarily manually collect the data. It's just there. And so it just needs to be sorted through. Is that right? Exactly. And so there's, there's and, that, and that's, you're, you're spot on because, because, and going back a little bit technically, because with dynamical systems, typically you've been able to deduce from like mathematic principles to do it. Mm -hmm. But in this case, we don't know what the function, what that system is going to look like or like what the underlying cause and effect of that system is because mm -hmm. we, we don't really quite understand why humans behave the way that we do. But with data, like on all the data that people are producing all the time online yep. um, and like on an enterprise network or endpoint or whatever, you do have that data. It's just a matter of collecting it, aggregating it, cleaning it. Right. processing it, putting it in a machine learning model or a bunch of models, and then kind of like having that available 
for you to understand how those people are going to behave on the network or, or how that overall information system is going to actually like evolve over time. You know what I mean? Yes. That's very cool. That is exciting. Yeah. yeah I think it's pretty cool. I hope. Yeah. Again, it's, yeah, uh, that's cool. <laughs> once, once you get it, you're like, oh, yeah, there we go. That's cool. It's like, kind right. of hard to grasp at first, but like then, then you get it, you're like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. And then the last question I'll ask you is, and you may not have an answer, which is fine if you don't. Do you have any like five, 10 year goals? Like what do you, what do you think you'll do next? Or maybe you're not thinking about it because you just want to focus on what you're focusing on now. But if you I, do, feel free I'm to not go, I'm not going to lie. I want to retire soon. <laughs> <laughs> I hear no, that frequently. Just, People no, no, our no, age no. are like, I'm ready to retire. No, no, um, no. no. So, 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 so I'll give some clarity <laughs> on that. Uh, uh, a bit a bit for comic effect. But no, really, you know, I'm working in defense, looking in the security space kind of, you know, in the short term. But um, right. my, my heart really is with music. That's where I got started. And that's where I'll end up in the long term. Yeah. So the, the aim is to sort of, you know, get some really good experience, um, you know, keep on building my career in a meaningful way, kind of in the security and defense space. But also, like, like I would love to be a, like a music theory professor someday, um, sure. like once I'm good enough and like have like those chops. And um, and yeah, so like eventually, like I want to get my PhD in music theory and like teach at the coll- kind of collegiate, like kind of conservatory level um, in music. So um, awesome. I-, I love the mission that I'm in, like with SOCOM and with defense and all these things. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like like music is my true calling in life. So eventually I will pivot back to that. I just need a little bit more time to kind of spend in this space, feel like I've really accomplished my mission in this space and then kind of transition back into like my, my, where my real heart is, I guess, you know? Yeah, I, I totally get that. I think for me, yeah. right, it was like, I really enjoy art. Um, I had a lot yeah. of fun in art school and, and it was great. I wanted to kind of do something. I always knew there was something else I wanted to do and it, I wanted it to be... You know impactful in some way obviously like i really i enjoy yeah, talking yeah. to people so you know depending on what type of art you're doing you don't really get an opportunity to do that it's mostly you and whatever medium you're with and so you know i kind of joked about like eventually i'll just i'll get a job where i can support my you know art interests yeah, <laughs> because yeah, they're expensive yeah. and being an artist isn't doesn't necessarily pay off um, yeah, yeah. and so you know now i'm kind of to the point where i'm like trying to get back into my creative endeavors and i could definitely just like be a photographer and travel around the country and not have to think about anything else but also i like having been in cybersecurity for the amount of time short amount of time that i have been now i have like the urge to continue to help people for a while so i definitely won't be retiring even if that was physically possible just because i kind of do want to make that impact right and i think you and i both talked earlier about the fact that we like want to genuinely like get to know people and understand why they're doing what they're doing i feel like helping them if possible is another part of that um whether that's you know as a friend or business relationship but you know it's one of the things i enjoy and feel like very positive about so one day maybe i'll just run into you with a camera and you'll be like angela and i'll be like can i take your picture (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but you know one day yeah yeah to totally relate to all that and like you've been on a mission since i've known you um and and that mission has always had a people element to it and i've always admired that about you it's like you like being in this technical space I, i don't need to tell you like it can be harsh sometimes. People, yeah. people sometimes unwelcome me, and sure. like, like you've always, always, always provided kind of like a light sort of in this space, and sort of said like, like we also need to take care of each other um, as Agreed. professionals, as people, like as we kind of like 
our heads down in the weeds all the time and like not all about like competing and who's the most technical who can do the most impressive blah 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 but um, <laughs> mr robot i will say the mr robot thing changed my life i swear to god it's so good yeah um so good no but but i will say it's, it's been a real pleasure kind of reconnecting with you uh, being on the show of course you too but uh but yeah it's, it's it's always so awesome to connect with you again absolutely so thank you so much, Andrew, for coming. This was an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Yeah, likewise, Angela. Thanks so much for having me. Of course. See ya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Focal Point Podcast with Angela Marafino. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.